Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage, here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchie from Kimberly. Coach, one week of track in the books. You guys firing it? Yes, it's it's awesome to have these kids get ready to go. They worked so hard in the winter, and now we got the spring season. It's hard to believe because we just got about nine inches of snow in the last couple of days, and we got some more snow coming today, but hopefully... <clears throat> That sun will come out, start uh, melting a lot of this, and we can get kids outside as quick as possible and really enjoy those spring sports. So now you guys, you're an indoor track, correct? We talked correct. about that on one of our older podcasts. So then you guys go indoor for a few weeks, and then you go outside. When you guys are an indoor track, do you guys ever just go outside, even though you're competing? Like if it's nice out, you got to get the kids outside, give them some fresh air, or do you guys stay inside the whole time? We, we don't, we don't, Brian, you know, obviously cross country runners, they're outside all year round, yep. you know, they're running in snow and they're always out there, but you know, it comes to the field events and to the sprints and most of those other type of things. I know for myself with the throws, we just stay inside, yep. you know, the, the difference with uh shot put is it's a lot different when you're indoor, the shot put is the indoor shot is different than the outdoor shot. Sure. And obviously when you get outside, you're, you're turning on concrete. And it's a lot different than turning on wood or okay. some other platforms. So we just stay consistent. You know, the whole emphasis in the state of Wisconsin with throwing, for example, is indoor. You only have shot put, obviously. No one's throwing discus indoor. So once you get to outdoor season, that first week of April, then you start to transition to both events, the shot put and the discus. And, and then obviously with the weather in Wisconsin, you know, you might have a meet that's 50 degrees and then, Three days later, it might be 20, 20 degrees with the windshield. So athletes got to make sure they can adapt. They got to make sure their warm-up is proper and all that stuff. That's awesome. That's, I didn't even think about having to put the, the wood thing down in the indoor. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Obviously. That's why you're the guru. Uh, huge shout-out to our baseball, softball, soccer athletes. Obviously, they are be starting up lacrosse. Uh, a lot of those sports will be starting up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of kids have had great off-seasons, worked really hard. So hopefully you can show – your uh your skills and whatnot on the field of play a couple quick things here dino before we start we're gonna go q a today a uh, little shout out to our edge baseball program that's holding a fundraiser on april 6th in the madison area uh, for those of you that are interested in that we'll have some really cool items it's a great event um you can dm me or you can message logan benish at at edge baseball um for that event and also just Quick reminder to all of our coaches and, and athletes out there, please share the show, right? We're trying to grow our show, show organically uh, with our followers and our listeners. We've been adding more and more listeners on a weekly basis, and we want to try and get our messages out as much as we can uh, with not only our guests, but also some of the information we're putting on this Q&A here. Yeah, the other thing I'd like to mention, uh, Brian, is at the NHSSCA clinic, the string clinic that was at Milwaukee Marquette High School, I want to give kudos to Mike Deering. He does a great job at um, getting that whole thing set up. There was about 85 coaches there. So it was an incredible turnout, a lot of great guests. I had the opportunity to introduce one of your former athletes, uh, Brian Calhoun. BC. And, and uh, BC did a great job. And he talked about speed development. He's working down there in the Milwaukee area at the all-girls school. And uh, he's doing an incredible job. So it was a lot of great presentations, great turnout, just awesome to connect. And uh, I really appreciate connecting with a lot of those coaches down there and hearing a lot of great things about the podcast. And like Brian said, 
please just get this information out there to people. It seems like I bump into more and more people and I wish I would have heard about this earlier. So get that information out. And again, we don't do this for any money. This is just giving back. And if anybody's got any questions, please reach out to both of us and we're more than happy to help. I think when looking back at my younger years as a, as a coach, and especially a strength coach, it would have been nice to have, you know, that ability to be able to reach out to people that um, are, are willing to give back and, and right. help out all kids everywhere, no matter where they're at. Yeah. I mean, we've had coaches over the last few weeks come by from different areas. Our doors are always open. You're more than welcome to come visit, ask questions. Uh, we're an open book. You know, we want to help as much as we can. Uh, one other event coming up, I'll be obviously is the WFCA high school coaches clinic that I'm sure a lot of you will be attending. We'll have a booth there as well. Uh, a lot of information on our high school consulting that we're doing. Uh, we're going to meet with a few schools here this week uh, about the high school consulting that we do. We've had a lot of success with our schools. There are some that are still playing in the high school basketball tournament right now and, and some other that have had some real good success in a lot of, a lot of other sports. So it's not just a football thing. Um, it, it, it is across the school and we work with the, with the schools and the coaches and the administrators, stuff like that. So it's been a really good program. So check us out. Our, our booth will be there both days, uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, so check us out over there. So Dean, let's get some questions going here. Uh, we got some really good questions and uh, from some of our listeners. So appreciate you could DM us um, at our, at our Instagram site to get your edge podcast uh, Instagram site, or you can message me or, or Fox Valley throws club too, as well with questions that you may have. Uh, and we'll try and get them answered the best we can on the podcast. All right. Uh, because if you have them, chances are somebody else has them. So we got a really good first one here, and it kind of ties into what's been going on uh, with the NFL Combine just finishing. What are some of the similarities and differences in prepping athletes for athletes for these type of events? Dean, won't you hit? I know it's probably not a lot different for you guys in the school setting, but I can touch on some different things after you do. So maybe touch on it from a school setting standpoint. Yeah, Brian, I think it's a little bit different in our setting. We get a lot of times where kids will actually go to a, a specific school or that specific school will come in and want to uh, look at and evaluate an athlete. So we just continue to do our thing, Brian. We we train and, you know, it's one of those situations where we will do whatever we can to help that athlete and answer any questions that they have. But, you know, the long-term athletic development is, our kids are continually lifting throughout the year in their training. And, and if you do that, your body will adapt. Is there things that you can do physically and mentally to be maybe a little bit better prepared? Yes. But the bottom line is, if you're continually training, you should be ready for that opportunity. And you should be thinking of it as a great opportunity to display all of your hard work, Brian. I think what's happened, Dean, is from what I've seen and, you know, dealing with this when I was at Wisconsin, as, as well as now in the private sector with these high school combines, the one thing that most parents and athletes are missing right now is that the combine in itself should validate what the coaches see on film. Do you know what I mean? So, so what I mean by that is your film, your playing, your, your practice, your, all the things your coaches are watching in your sport that combine should just validate what they're seeing. So in other words, your testing numbers shouldn't be the thing that you are resting on as your priority. It should be something that adds to what they're already interested in. So I think athletes and coaches remember that. Okay, the film is the most important thing. And so if we're talking football right now or any other sport, 
You know, the film is the most important thing. Can you play the sport or not? You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference. You can run four three. If you can't catch, you can't run the right route. You can't block the right guy. Um, you, you can't follow directions. You can't, you know, work within a team scenario. Uh, so I just got a couple notes here on, on things that we talked to our kids about, Dean. The first thing when you're going to a combine is rested, fresh, and healthy. And this is something I got from John Detman when I was at Wisconsin. You can't do your best if you're not, first of all, healthy. So in other words, these aren't things that you try and train through injuries or train through pain for, okay? Um, if, you got, if you're nicked up, you got a sprained ankle, you got to take some time off because you got to be fresh. You got to be healthy. You don't show up to these events, you know, at about 85% fresh, right? You got to be, you got to take some time to freshen your body up. More is not better in these scenarios. You're only going to get, you know, if you go to a combine, you may get two forties, two pro agilities, two L drills, two, two verticals, two broad jumps, and maybe one set at the bench press. You know, if we look at the WFCA combine that's coming up, you know, that's kind of how it's set up. So you get limited reps. All right. This isn't conditioning. You're not running gassers to prep for this. Okay. Um, and rested, you got to be getting your sleep. Okay, so when we look at kind of the NFL combine, Dean, I, I I kind of watched the Twitter over those two weeks and watched all these guys kind of puff their chests out a little bit about, you know, oh, we did this with this kid and oh, we did this with this kid. Look, when these kids leave their college scenario, first and foremost, before I go into this, I want to give a huge shout out to all of our college strength coaches out there. Okay, you guys do a thankless job. Okay, for what you do, for the amount of hours that you put in. I was one of you at one point. And I think it gets lost in the combine because you have guys that are training for six weeks at a certain place that specializes in combine training. Um, the reason they got to the combine is what they did in college and what their strength coaches were able to do with them in college for four years. So the people that get the most credit should be the college strength coaches for these guys' athletic development, period. You know, nothing across, nothing else, okay? Um, but the reason these guys typically test better, Dean, is because they're not going to school, right? You don't have to get up at 8 a.m. for school. You have a regimented schedule. So in other words, you're not getting up at 6 o'clock one morning to train on a Monday because your school schedule and then training at noon, and then, you know, you got a day off, and then you train, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, and then at, at, at 6 a.m. on a Friday. That's kind of how college, you know, schedules work, and, you know, same with the schools, right? You guys have kids in different classes and things like that, so when these guys get a chance to go different places, they're, everything is regimented for them. They get eight to nine hours of sleep, which in college, typically, you don't. Um, Really, right, I'll take that one step further. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but no. you know, the, the, a lot of times the coaches want a, a lot of the credit, and I agree with you. The strength coach, obviously, more than a situation where they go and you know train for six weeks. And so I'm in the private those, sector saying this, just so you guys all know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But you know, I'm going to go one step further and say, you know, it's the athletes. Yeah. Because as you know, even as a strength coach, one of our job is to motivate athletes. But bottom line is that athletes got to put in the work. And I know we say this all the time. You, you cannot be allergic to hard work. You have to be able to put the time in and it has to be consistent. It has to be all the core values that Sports Advantage constantly is educating people on. And the athlete has to do it. Right. And yes, 
when they're you know in that college setting, it's a little bit easier. You're getting better food, right? Right. You're, you're getting all these different situations. Maybe you're on a full scholarship, so you don't have to worry about you know working as far as you know paying that bill as far as education, and you're getting great coaching, and you got great facilities, and all this. But yes. I see that many times when an individual gets done with college and they don't have to worry about the studies and all that extra stress that they have. And now all they can do is focus on the one thing. It makes a big difference, but huge kudos to all of our listeners out there that are athletes because we can educate, educate, and educate. But bottom line is, you know, individuals, athletes, coaches, you have to make a choice if you want to be good at what you do. Well, at the end of the day, too, Dean, it should get better every level you go up. That you know, what I mean, you, your scenario for success should get better. So, in high school, you know, depending on where you're at, okay, now you funnel into the college scenario. The college scenario should offer more opportunities than the high school scenario because they have more resources. Okay, and then when you go to a private training facility, all right, it should be better because you're not dealing with doing mat drills at six o'clock in the morning. All right. And it's the same with our high school kids that go to combines. A lot of our kids that are going to go to that WFCA combine or combines, they may have a double header on Friday night and then they got to go run, you know, at, at, at or on Saturday night and they have to go run at six in, or, you know, at eight in the morning. You know I mean, so there's not really an ideal scenario. So why do these guys, you know, do their best at the combine? Because it's all geared around that. All right. You're not dealing with, you know, a lot of the other things that goes into being a football player, seven on sevens, two to three days a week, um, you know, one-on-ones O-line or extra O-line work. So they should be doing better. Okay. And I think that's one of the things that's lost in all of this is that if they're not, do, you know, look at what they tested at the year before, you know, you don't, I, we, and we've gone away from this Dean and I've talked to you about this because I think it's unfair for me to time a kid, the first day he walks through my door in a 10-yard sprint, a pro agility, an L drill, things like that, that they don't even know how to start. A lot of our kids don't even know which hand to put on the ground. A lot of our kids, when you tell them to do a pro agility, they spin in circles. So maybe I'm a bad salesman, but at the end of the day, the credibility that we share with parents is, hey, we don't time kids in these things because just teaching them how to do the drill right is going to make them better. If they're coming off a of football season, they're going to not run the best time. So for these places to say, well, when they got here, they ran a four or five and then they ran a four or three. Well, no kidding. They just got done playing like some of these guys from Georgia, Michigan, you know, Ohio State. They just played 14 football games. They're not going to run their best time. They shouldn't at the end of the day, because the main thing is the main thing in season. So, um, you know, but again, from our standpoint, just to close up on this. We trained very, about probably about 90% the same, Dean. And we did this at Wisconsin. 90% of the training was the same. The only thing that changes is we're teaching technique, you know, which is low dosage, you know. So all you feed the cats people out there, we're following that, right? Low doses of stuff. But you're just teaching technique. And then we let all the other variables we're building, power, strength, uh, mobility, that takes over. So if you can teach them good technique, their athleticism will take over in that. All right. Multi-sport athletes. Yeah, yeah. multi-sport athletes too, Brian. Gotta understand that. You know, if if you are, have an open gym at 5 30 in the morning and you have a big, you know, you have you have a combine or you have some 
situation where you have to test in front of people and you really want to do a good job because you want to impress coaches and you want to get good times or good numbers, skipping an open gym is going to be okay. Yeah, Life's more is not better. On. You don't have to be at everything. I see too many times, so many kids are such great kids and they feel bad not pleasing the coach and you know maybe missing an open gym. You have to read your body and you have to do what's going to work best for you for optimal performance. And that's one of the things athletes, you have to figure out. And if you're sluggish, if you're not getting to sleep or whatever, hey, you got to take advantage. I, we always say sleep is number one mode of recovery. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? If you're a person that it gets anxious for tests or you don't get as much sleep that night before a big game, then banks a little extra sleep that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those five days before that night of right before the competition. So you bank those extra sleep during the week. And now maybe you won't get enough sleep because you're, you're, you're worried about your performance and you're a little anxious. And that's typical, by the way, athletes, but you're still going to perform well because you worked up to it. You had them in the bank. And so you're prepared. So that's another thing. Are you one of those individuals that gets anxious before a big thing? If you are and you know you're not going to get a lot of sleep, get extra before that night before, and you're still going to perform well. The research says you're still going to do well. So you have to be able to read your body, read your mind, do what's best. Another thing, coaches or athletes, communicate with your coaches. I don't care if you're going to Sports Advantage and you got something coming up. If you got something in your high school setting and you have a big day of performance, communicate with your coaches. Coaches aren't mind readers. They got to wear a lot of hats, but make sure you make that communication. We want what's best for you as an athlete. If you don't communicate, we're not mind readers. We don't know that. We can help you so you perform at your best. And, you know, you know, from the athlete's perspective, um, don't be afraid to make that communication with your coaches and coaches support your kids. Okay. Like a kid, like you said, a kid missing, you know, a five 30 or a 6.00 AM, you know, you know, open gym for baseball or whatever um, is okay. And if you're truly in coaching for the right reason for wanting what's best for the athlete, you should be like, Hey, I, your conversation with the athlete is you should know your athlete so well like if Dean, if, if, if I'm the basketball coach and you know, you're headed to the WFCA con or whatever combine it is, I keep saying that because I'm trying to support our, our high schools. Um, and I know you're going to that as a coach, be proactive, say, Hey, Hey Dean, Hey, I know you're going to that combine. You, you don't need to come Friday morning to open gym. You know what I mean? We can talk about maybe, you know, maybe I'll come open the gym for you on Sunday. Um, I know it's on Saturday. If you want to get some shots up, let me know. Um, I'm going to try and do everything I can so you can be successful. You realize like how much inventory you're banking with that athlete. Hey, the coach wants what's best for me. Um, he's willing to do going above and beyond uh, for me. Now that's going to come back coaches with the athletes. They're going to want, you know, be like, Hey, he supports me, you know, go the extra mile. That's one of our core values at sports advantage. You know what I mean? Um, so coaches, if you know, your kids are doing this, go be proactive because a lot of the kids are, you know, quite frankly, a lot of kids are, are afraid to talk to coaches about stuff like this. They feel like they're going to get blacklisted and stuff like that, which shouldn't ever happen. 
And parents, please, I'm hearing this from a lot of coaches at the middle school levels. Hey, my kid cannot perform or participate in physical education class, or hey, they shouldn't do anything because they got a big AU basketball tournament or a softball tournament or a volleyball tournament. Please don't be that parent. Yeah. The, the educational setting is far more important than the athletic setting and understand that there's nothing going to be too strenuous in a physical education class that is going to make a difference in a tournament that they might be doing out there in their sport. The bottom line is if PE class makes them that tired, they probably should be doing more activity as, as a young athlete. And the other thing, the last thing I would say to parents, and this is, this is exactly what we say in our consulting with our schools, you know, how do we handle it? Well, you know, and this leads into, you know, a couple of our other questions, Dean. So this is good. Well, you wouldn't skip your math test, right? If you have to give a speech, you're not going to skip your speech. Now, if your tournament's on Thursday and you're leaving, you know, th then yeah. Like if you're traveling and you're out of school, if you're in school, you need to be in your classes. Okay. So, I mean, think about that just because it's physical education doesn't mean that the kids should get a pass on it. Now, coaches should alter, you know, to make sure they get, but, you know, let's, Let's not even go down that rabbit hole, Dean. You know what I mean? Hey, the other thing too, Brian, that I think is so important for parents to understand is I'm hearing this from uh, teachers and coaches as well as, hey, my son or daughter is having some mental health issues. And therefore, you know, we think they should get out of a practice or out of a activity or weight room or anything like that. My, my, opinion on that brian is if your son or daughter is having some mental health issues and maybe just one is just anxiety and and some of the things like that which are very common after the pandemic a lot right. more so yeah. please that's don't take exercise and resistance training in the socialization away from with students and with athletes and friends it's the best medicinal practice out there. Yeah. If you look at the research, it's the best thing you can do for mental health. So please don't be the parent that's trying to get their kid out of some good things, some positive things that is really there to help your son or daughter. So please, if you're one of those parents, research it, the benefits of resistance training, exercise, being participating in sports. Don't let that be an excuse to get your kid out of those type of things that are going to help them. That's awesome, Dean. That's that's so true. Get out and move. Get out and get fresh air. You know what I mean? All right, question two. Guys, how do you manage having an athlete play an outside sport while still in their high school sport? Now, this is something we're seeing a lot more. Um, you know, and I think you you probably see this more in the high school setting than, than we do at sports advantage. Uh, we see it, but I mean, probably more so in the, like the track setting, right? You got kids that are in track that are doing AAU and travel stuff. How do you guys handle that stuff? And I know it's a tricky, tricky question, right? Well, Brian, it sure is. And that's why we're losing so many of the benefits of multi-sport athletes right now. And I know every school district is different because, you know, some schools are smaller, some are larger, you know, some teams may be more competitive, you know, whatever the situation, the sports always are changed. You know, I think as coaches, you got to do what's best for the athlete. And obviously we want that athlete to benefit from being a multi-sport athlete. 
And, you know, the old thing is don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, type of situation. And the benefits that you get from being a multi-sport athlete are, are, are just incredible. And we've had so many guests, so many great guests talk about that experience. And one of them, obviously, with Joe Thomas talking about how the glide shot put made him a better offensive lineman in the NFL. And he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, and, and Joe also played some basketball. So he was a three-sport athlete. But I think you got to try to work things out as much as possible. I think it's hard because kids are put in a very tough situation. So once they get into a situation where they get in a club team and they're getting all these situations where they got their travel schedules don't match up, I, I guess it doesn't work. That's a decision that the athlete has to, to make and the parents have to make. But if there's any way that there's some way that they can make it work, I think that's the best scenario for the kid. Unfortunately, sometimes is I see a lot of people, it's it's play on this team, athletes play on this team, play, 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 play. And I believe, I firmly believe if the individual just worked on their skill, yeah. and for example, let, let, let's just use a basketball player, for example, if they would just learn their skill in, in their own environment, for example, school, and really worked on, for example, maybe if you're a big guy, low pulse moves and you really get good at working your skills and develop in the weight room, I think they get way more benefit than just play, 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 a million games, travel, 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 spend, 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 spend. But every case scenario is going to be different. But I think too many times the difference in the development of the athlete is a, a physical. Right. They just cannot do it. They're not strong enough. They're not so therefore, if they're not strong enough, they're not explosive enough in play, 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 and not work on those tools to give them the opportunity to be more explosive in their sport or be better in their sport is I think the thing that they really need to do. So many people will pay for sports skill stuff, but many people won't pay to give them the tools to be able to do those skills in their sport. And I think that's where parents got it wrong, Brian. Oh. I think, you know, in my, our era, you just went out the driveway and you played three and three and you played against older kids and it was free and you had fun and you were creative and you figured things out and, you know, you worked on that physical development and you got mentally tough. Now I think it's play, 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 play. We're going to Orlando. We're going to Vegas. We're going to St. Louis. We're going to California. And I don't see the benefits many times. And you've even seen it from Kobe Bryant's of the world in these NBA players saying there's got to be a better way to get these kids better. And does it work for a few? Absolutely. Right. Does it work for a few? It does. So you got to look at each case scenario. But many times I think you really got to evaluate the athlete. Just like an athlete person comes into sports advantage, you're assessing that athlete. Where is their weakness? What does this person have to do to be able to perform these skills better? But I think sometimes parents, well, if I pay the money and they just play a million games, they're going to get better. It doesn't work that way. I'm not seeing it translate no. to the court, to the field, to the diamond, to the to whatever, to the track or whatever that they do. The skill of the sport is very important, but what gives you the skill? You know, I always say to coaches, Okay, you can X and O all you want, but who's the X and who's the O? Right. We'll take a great athlete. 
just like the the combine training. We see great athletes and coaches will say, well, you know, hey, I, I train this person and I train that person. But bottom line is a great athlete's a great athlete. Yeah. If you taught LeBron James how to throw a discus, I'm sure he'd be very <laughs> good at it. Or if you took Shaquille O'Neal and said, let's throw a discus, he's going to be really good at it. Right. So it just wasn't their thing. That just wasn't their thing. Yes, it wasn't you know? their thing. And it's a genetic component. Right. You know, you have to have some genetics into it. So what's your thoughts, Brian? You know, Dean, my, my thought is this, and I, you know, I kind of go from, from our perspective. We see parents investing ten to $20,000 a year in, in all this travel stuff because you're not just paying the four to $5,000, um, you know, to be in the program. You're, 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 like you said, you're talking about flights. You're talking about hotels, you're talking about meals, you're talking about travel, you're talking about so many other things that go. So parents are investing fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, but you know, ten percent of that is too much money for them to pay in in their kids' physical development, which at the end of the day is going to keep them on the court longer. You know what I mean? So so you're you're skipping the the most important step in in their development. And I've had I've had so many parents, Dean come to me, you know, when their kid graduates, they've put them through these AAU programs. They've put them through, you know, travel baseball. And I have a travel baseball program, but that's why we build the strength and conditioning component into the travel baseball program because we value it so much. Okay. Um, to a man, so many of them have said to me, you know, I wish I would have done it different. I wish I would have, like you said, invested in their skill development in the off season. And I would have put them in a quality strength and conditioning program and performance program, saved a lot of money when they got to high school. Now you start taking them around. Okay. And, and granted there are kids that just love to play different, these sports and they want to play it year round. That's great. If they, if your kid loves that, great, put them in that, you know, and do that. But it, it should be because they love to play, not because the end goal is a division one scholarship, because those are few and far between. And if the, the money that you're investing in chasing something versus building something is astronomical. Yeah, Brian, the other thing is I've seen some parents, you know, not go that right, you know, that way of, you know, the fear of missing out. And it said, you know what, I'll wait. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to save money. I'm, I'm going to spend more quality family time. Right. But I'm going to help my individual. I'm going to get them some, you know, individual instruction. And I want to, you know, I want to give them them opportunities, but it's not going to be at a, a big cost and all of that. I think that is so important. And those individuals ended up being so good as high school athletes and going on to get college scholarships. We've seen that a lot where individuals might not even start a sport until they're, you know, a sophomore, junior in high school and end up being very good. So a lot of it depends on, you know, your development. We know kids grow at different rates. And I think it's so important that, I think as a parent, you can't fall into the trap of that formal fear of missing out that right. you have to do it because everybody else is doing it. I don't buy that because I've seen a lot of people say, you know what, we're not going to do this right now. We'll evaluate. We'll see what next year brings. I know a lot of those individuals, you know, they're not motivated to go out and work on their own skills on their own, but parents are more than happy to spend 10, 20 grand just saying, hey, do this. You know, if the person has a passion and they really enjoy their sport and they're doing things on their own or they're asking a parent, hey, can you help me 
Can you shag uh, baskets for me? Can you rebound for me? Can you can you throw you know baseballs to me or wiffle balls to me? Hey, Dad, can we go to the YMCA or or some other place? And will you help me if you have a person that's that intrinsically motivated and wants to get better? That's one thing. Then you might want to put and invest in that. But are you just doing it because all his friends are doing it? Probably isn't the the correct reason to do it. Well, and for me, Dean, this this question kind of leads into our third question. That's why I'm kind of holding back just a little bit on some of my other thoughts. But just play with your kids too when they're young. Like like go go play catch in the backyard for 20 minutes. Go you know let your let your son or daughter pitch to you. Go like you said. Go rebound for them at the at the YMCA or if you have a gym membership. You know, if you have the ability to get on the ice, you know, let them skate around. I mean, it doesn't always have to be practice. It can still be father-son time, mother-daughter time, mother-son time, father-daughter time. Yes. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be regimented every single time because if it is, when you're doing that with your kid, you're going to, you're going to draw barriers because at some point now he's looking at you as coach instead of mom or dad, you know? So it, there, there are times and there are times that I've had with my kids that, hey, we're going to go work at the game for a while, and then we're going to have fun afterwards, and we'll go get ice cream or whatever afterwards. Um, but there are also times like, hey, you want to you know, go shoot shoot some hoops? You want to go play horse? Because at the end of the day, like a lot of those drills that they're getting, that they're paying for, those kids can make those drills up in the driveway. That's what everybody at our age did. You know what? I, I, I watched the Bulls play the Pistons and everything Jordan did. I went outside and tried to do it, you know? Probably didn't, do it, probably, right. probably didn't do it quite at the level he did, but you know, I, but that that was how you that that was Very how you developed. You put your body in weird positions, and then all of a sudden, the game, you know, holy shit, I made a shot, you know, and it was something, you know, what I mean. So it's, it doesn't always have to be regimented like that. Um, question three, coming from one of our, you know, high end yeah. listeners, high end listeners here, adjusting your plan. As a strength coach, when do you know when to deviate your plan, push through, or stay on task? That's a great question. That is the art of strength and conditioning. Okay. And that to me is again why we use the conjugate method, because things are constantly changing. All right. Your your accessories are constantly changing. What are they changed on? What you see in the main lifts. Our main lifts are constantly changing. So the kids don't get used to the same exercises all the time. And it fits back into, you know, how we handle kids that are in multiple sports. Um, you know, so kind of taking both questions and put them together here, Dean, is kids that are in multiple sports. So in other words, like if they're playing volleyball and then they're doing AAU, we really have to change up what our, you know, generalized plan is for those athletes. So maybe it's getting rid of two rounds of accessory work. Maybe it's getting rid of some single leg, you know, loaded work like split squats or lunge walks and just having them sled drag. So now you're you're changing the 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 exercise, but you're keeping the focus the same, right? I believe sled drags are single leg movements just like split squats. But we know that one of the exercises that kids get sore from no matter how many weeks they're doing them in a row is split squats. That seems to really and lunge walks and lateral lunges. So we're, we're taking the single leg emphasis and putting it in an exercise that's not going to hamper their performance or be in their head. Oh, I'm going to be sore. If I do this, I'm not going to use as much weight. Hey, we're, so then the kids see you looking out for them. Um, you know how we deviate and change auxiliaries guys 
is when we start to see the main lifts kind of level off, then we know that there are probably weaknesses in different areas that we need to focus on and bring those, bring those up. So that's, that's how we go about it. Again, with the conjugate method, we're always changing things like that. Um, but I, you know, in the college scenario, I'll just share this. Every plan looks good. You know, that, that the moment that you print it out, right. Because hopefully you've done your research, uh, you know, your kids and things like that. You get to week three with your plan. Usually there's always been some type of change because like, okay, this doesn't look quite where we're at. Maybe this worked last year. I've got a different group of kids. I got to change things up. So you always have to be very fluid with your plans and don't just get married to it because it looked good. You know, the first week of the first week of the off season. Yeah. Brian, there's no copy paste. No. I think that's what most, you know, strength coaches and, you know, sport coaches want to take somebody else's plan, copy paste it. I mean, I don't think I've ever written a program where we haven't adjusted it somewhere during the weeks, whether what, what just something that we saw. And I think that is very important. I know in an educational setting, it, it there's many half days of school where, you know, teachers have professional development. There's days off of school. You get a snow day. There is, you know, just the calendar. You cannot control any of that. So you always have to be flexible in order to be able to get what you feel is the most important thing done during that week. And you're always studying. You're always adjusting. And you're tweaking here and there. I just look back at things we did last year it were totally different in in some things that we do already just right. from you know continuing education just from you know a variety because you got to give kids some variety you know things start to get stale strength conditioning coaches what do you do to to help keep those kids consistently coming because we know consistency is, is the number one thing in any training program so what are you going to do to get those kids to continually want to be in that environment. You know, that, that should be the best part of their day is coming into your class if you're a teacher or as a coach coming to the practice. That should be the highlight of their day. And so you, in order to do that, you got to figure out what works. You know, sometimes it says, hey, what what playlist are we going to play today in, in the weight room? It would just You got to understand that we have to make sure it's about them. It's not about us. And I think sometimes, hey, the person likes country, and the coach does, and the kids want to hear rap. Well, you, you're going to have to put rap on because yep. it's oh, about yeah. the kids. It's not about us. If I have, if I'm a big power lifter as a coach, but the kids don't want a power lift, they want to do a lift that's going to help them be better in their sport and athletic lift. I got to understand that I can't do a powerlifting program with them just because I know the powerlifting. I got to get out of my comfort zone. I have to learn and I have to do a true holistic athletic program to help them perform better in their sports. So I think it's very important that, you know, coaches understand that and kids understand that and that we have to adapt and students athletes got to understand that the coach has got their best interest so one communicate brian like you said hey i got this combine hey i got this big game this is how my body feels hey my um my elbow hurts a little bit today or whatever the situation hey, i'm pretty fatigued i i don't feel good i kind of got the flu here and you can make those little adaptations during the program and understand it's just one day 
And the idea is to walk out of that room with some kind of adaptation for the athlete to make some kind of progress. And it's not going to be a linear progress line that you have to understand. You got to look at the long-term athletic development and the safe way of doing it. Everybody wants to chase, hey, I want the magic exercise. I want the magic, you know, program. There is no magic exercise. There is no magic program. No. It is in the effort and the consistency of the athlete, understanding the why behind everything, and then motivating that person to become the best that they can be. Well, and lastly, Dean, does the workout flow? Is there a flow to the workout? Is it choppy? You know, is there a lot of standing around? Uh, things like that. Like, so it doesn't always mean changing the exercise. It may mean changing the order. It may mean, you know, comboing exercises up, things like that. So the kids are constantly moving. You know, the, one of the things you taught me is that, you know, you got to train like a shark. You got to constantly be moving, constantly doing stuff because kids get bored, you know, uh, and they, they get bored, you know, and so you got to keep them moving and, and with productive movement, not just garbage, you know, to just throw in the program, but keep them moving and keep it flowing. Well, that's three, dog. That was pretty good. Guys, please share the show. Uh, share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues. One more thing I want to drop a quick note on. Uh, we have an Easter Seals event. Easter Seals, uh, Andy Crooks, former Badger, uh, he's on the board for Easter Seals, puts on this, this basketball event. It's uh, former UW men's basketball players and former Wisconsin football players are drafted and they play a, a charity event. It's on April 15th. Uh, I believe it's at MATC. Uh, I'll get the location, but that's where it's been in the past. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to coach, uh, Gary close used to be a former Badger basketball coach is running a, um, event for third to eighth graders where it's just a shooting skills event, things like that. So kids can check that out. Sports advantage is sponsoring one of the two teams. Uh, we're going to have some sports advantage basketball unis made some of the former players and stuff like that. We'll get a chance to draft, uh, some of these guys and, have them on our team. So Easter Seals event, if you're in the Madison area, April 15th, check that out. We will see you next time. Chop it.